Coming up on this episode of The Mompreneur Show, I'm interviewing Jessica Fisher. She's a devoted wife, a mom of six children, a blogger, and a published cookbook author. I'm your host, Vicky Lashenko, and this is the show that features amazing stories of the most remarkable mompreneurs. Thank you so much for tuning in. Jessica, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. This is fun. It's such a pleasure to have you. Let's start off with introducing yourself and how did you get to where you are today? Okay, well, my name is Jessica Fisher. I am a cookbook author and freelance writer specializing in food and family. I started freelancing um, for parenting magazines in 2006 when I was pregnant with our fifth child and um, we were trying to get right side up on our finances. Um, then I started blogging at lifeasmom.com in 2008 when I was pregnant with our sixth child and, um, a year later started good cheap eats, um, because I realized that, um, not all of my life as mom readers were as into food as I was. Mm -hmm. And so it just made sense to have a separate space for the food talk um, well, I still talk about meal planning and freezer cooking and things like that on Life as Mom. More of the recipes um, eventually have just been curated on Good Cheap Eats and in my books. Um, I started um, self-publishing in 2010, and that was the same year that I signed my first um, traditional book contract. Wow. Um, that's the base, the, the beginning, yeah, yeah. There's the beginning. Well, for you. we're totally going to pick through, pick through it, pick at it and um, ask questions as we go. So I'm really curious. You said you started your blog, one blog, and then you went and started another one a year later. Were, yeah. were they both active blogs and how did yes. you manage the both? Yes. Um, well, <laughs> um, I honestly, um, and I didn't, um, Huh. They are both still active blogs. Um, I post um, two to five times on each one each week. Um, but they have some overlapping audience, but they also have, you know, very distinct audiences. Obviously, Good Cheap Eats is going to appeal to a wide range of people from, you know, young college students to, you know, moms with kids to, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I have, I think my male readers are kind of lurking. I don't think they comment as much, but I know they're there because occasionally they'll write me emails or, um, um, I've had one reader call, you know, she knows one of the other readers, like they both go the same way. And he saw the cookbook. He's like, you know her, you know, and he's oh. a reader, you know, so, so the men lurk, but, and the women are a little more chatty, but, um, so it's obviously a different audience than what might be on life as mom, which is pr primarily moms. There are some regular readers who um, take care of their nieces and nephews or who are really interested in homemaking. So, so the topics apply to them, even if they aren't um, mothers, but um, you know, it's obviously a parenting and family site, whereas the cheap eats is good food on a budget. So um, very interesting. How did you balance the the time and, and mental energy for both of them at the same time? I didn't sleep very much in the beginning. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and I was nursing babies when I, you know, I, or one baby. I was nursing 
um, and up at night. And so I was, you know, just running on that adrenaline of, okay, I really want this to work and I can work when my kids are sleeping um, and that kind of thing. So um, I just kind of crammed it in wherever I could. I would say in the early years, I was probably guilty of, you know, letting too many things slide um, on the home front, trying mm. to do those things. Eventually it started paying off and our kids got bigger and my husband was like, oh, <laughs> this is legitimate. This is like a real thing. This isn't just your hobby that is wrecking our home. <laughs> so, um, mm -hmm. so it's been a process and I have to credit my husband for being very patient and very encouraging. And, you know, I, I had a friend describe me once as a freak of nature which if she wasn't herself a freak of nature, you might take that as an insult. But it was that idea that, um, you know, I can't sit still. And I've always, you know, even in those early years before the internet existed, you know, I was always working on projects or I was making things to give to people or I was, um, I did several, um, you know, self-published cookbooks, not to sell, but to, you know, to do as fundraisers for mm -hmm. groups that I worked with or um, wow. for my family just to have. So, so I was already doing it. So, Hey, let's switch this over to get paid for this kind of thing. So, so interesting. Oh my gosh. Like I have so many questions for you. So going back a bit about what you mentioned about being so into your hobby and really working, being so driven and then letting things at home slide. So how did you deal with that? Because I deal with that too. And thankfully my husband has come to an understanding, like he, right. he gets more now, but right. in the beginning, oh my gosh, it was so hard because you, like physically you just can't take care, take care of your children all day and then do the housework and then do this. It's either this, like the, the business, right. the drive right. or the housework. And it's right. always the business. So I, I would like to hear uh, you elaborate um, on. You know, I, you know, this was 2008. This was like the cusp of when people started thinking about blogs as yeah, exactly jobs or that you could make money, you know, and, and most people doubted it. I mean, even up until 2010, people were saying you can't make money blogging. Um, and I think it just depends on what they were looking at. Um, so I went into it with the idea that I wanted us to have a, another income. We were getting out of debt. We'd been, um, you know, 2007, 2008, we realized how much debt we had and we start, wanted to make some changes. So, so that was really driving my efforts at making money writing. Um, and I told my husband, I'm going to make money doing this. And, and it wasn't until I had numbers to show, see, I made money doing this, you know, I mean, it took a while to get to that point. Um, so I think part of it was that I had little children and you could clean up after little children all day long and it'd still be a mess. So why not just stop cleaning up? <laughs> you know, like some of my attitude was like, why should I do this all day? Because it's just going to get messy anyway. So I just kind of put stuff off and I let a little thing slide. Um, but eventually kind of came around to making sure that our kids were equipped to do stuff around the house, getting on a schedule, making sure that we kind of righted the ship. So thankfully that season of total chaos didn't last very long, but um, it also came on the heels of, 
being postpartum, moving cross country, my mother-in-law mm. passing away from cancer. I mean, it was a really crazy year. So it was like, there were so many things in my life that I couldn't control, but sitting at the computer and writing, that was something that I could totally, I'm in charge of this. I'm in charge of what happens here. And all, everything else around me is out of chaos, but this part I can do. And and so I think, you know, I didn't, I didn't know about it till afterward. Um, read an article about postpartum obsession and it's different than postpartum depression you know but it that a lot of times women get obsessed with something after after having a baby and so you know I didn't get a psychological you know (laughs) nobody diagnosed me that way but looking back it's like okay that's kind of what that first year was about was just being you know like I can't control all the chaos around me but I can I can this thing I can control. Um, and so we kind of rode that out and kind of started feeling normal again and, you know, finding a new normal really is what I call it. So, um, how did you find, how did you find that new normal? Um, you know, I think a lot of it came out in writing. Um, one of the books that I ended up self-publishing was called organizing life as mom. And it came with it, you know, it was kind of my process of getting the ship, you know, kind of balanced out and creating planner pages and finding systems that helped me keep track of school, keep track of home, keep track of the money, all these different things. Um, and just being a little bit more um, assertive. I wanted to say aggressive, but, you know, just being a little bit more assertive and not being a victim of my whatever circumstances happened in every day, but just being a little bit more, you know, I can do this and here's how I'm going to do it and coming up with a plan. And so I documented that two years later in organizing life as mom. Um, And um, that was really helpful. I think that that process of figuring out how I work best and how I can stay organized. um, And really for me, it's thinking on paper, you know, Hmm. that's, that's for me. You know, that helps me more than, you know, I like to talk, but, but writing really is kind of my, my therapy. Hmm. (laughs) Anyways. Uh, We're going to pause for just a second. Jessica, I want to make sure there's an echo coming. Um, Okay. And do you have, do you you just hear me in your uh, earphones, right? Yeah. Um, It it seems like it's a, it's a blab um, bug. So, um, and to be honest, I'm not sure. Oh, I, I can totally hear, like, I don't hear my thing, any, my echo anymore. That's weird. Okay. So blab, so, what maybe, did you, it was, maybe it was in my ears. <laughs> I don't know. That's so weird. Like, I can't hear myself now. Cause like, okay, perfect. This is good. This is okay. a good sign. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and a sweet, um, listener, uh, nanny. Um, she doesn't hear either. She's the one that mentioned, she's like, Oh, I can hear the echo. So it's perfect. Now we're going to resume and I'm going to ask you a question, a clarifying. Jessica, can you share some of the strategies that you used to get out of that? Like maybe some of the strategies that you mentioned in the book? Yeah. So, um, you know, kind of one of my main things that is kind of, it's, it recycles every, every season, you know, every year, kind of thing. Um, I liken it to um, a conversation I had with my husband in my head, because 
we didn't have to have the conversation in real life because I knew what he was going to say. So I went down, you know, I'll, I'll do that sometimes in advance because then it may not be worth having that conversation if I know what he's going to say. And, and I knew he would say, well, what is it that you do want? And, and so I think that, that, you know, it was about something for the house, but, but, you know, that's a really important thing that we moms need to know is what is it that you do want? You know, what is that vision for a life that you want to have? And so um, what I ended up doing was creating a page that, um, that kind of, you know, it's kind of a brain dump kind of thing. Um, this is my current planner. And so, you know, it's what I want. You know, I want connectedness with my family. I want a clean house. I want good food. I want travel and fresh air. Like, what are the things, what are the things that I want us as a family to experience? Um, what do I want our home life to be? And so painting that vision um, for myself. So mm -hmm. I have clarity about where is it that I want us to go? Um, simple finances, good books you know, school to be effective and efficient. You know, I wrote down all those different things that be my, my, my dream life. Right. And then work backward from that um, mm -hmm. and think about each of those areas and how to work those into our lives and how to, um, you know, like, for instance, I made an, you know, like, again, I'm on paper, right? So mm -hmm. um, this was my word for the year was priority. And so then in each section are different areas of my life and specific things. So for instance, we homeschool and so to teach my children well. And so first thing is school before less other less important things, you know. So even mm -hmm. though so last Friday I was feeling like I you know, I had some deadlines, I had some things to write, but it's like, you know, my kids' education is more important than this deadline and they're gonna live if I don't get it till them till the end of the day. Um but I need to make my kids a priority. And so making those decisions ahead of time so that, you know, that school is more important than this other thing. And um, so having those little examples for myself already planned out, kind of already decided in my head, um, kind of helps me, you know, I'm, I'm not really answering your question from you know, 2008, but, but that's, no, that's, is this is a process that has evolved over yeah. the years is that, you know, having that vision, remind myself of that vision, refining that vision. And then what are the specific things that I can do to, to get, get us closer to, to that ideal thing. Um, and then, you know, then that plays out into a time budget and making sure that, I'm being very, I'm giving every minute a name. So, so anybody who has followed Dave Ramsey, they know that for his budgeting um, philosophy, you give every dollar a name. You know, when you get your check, you, you lay out where is all this money going to go, right? Mm -hmm. And then you make sure it goes there and then it didn't escape to Starbucks for a latte when it needed to go for this other thing. And so the same thing happens with our time you know, is that if we're not giving every, you know, and I am not, I did not put my babies on schedules. I, I have always resisted that, but I realized this is the only way we're going to function. This is the only way I'm going to feel good about how I spend my day is if I make sure I know where I'm giving those minutes. And so I um, love that you connected that with Dave Ramsey because like everybody, <laughs> we're like so aware of Dave Ramsey and 
what he's teaching and co correlating that, uh, adding right. that into right. a time budget is incredible. It's incredibly amazing. Now, so um, what does your time budget look like? <laughs> Let me find it for you. Oh, um, no, no. You can just. Yeah. Um, so, so what I do is at the start of each week, I have a blank grid. And then I start filling it in. I am so sorry. We will just hang up on that person. There we go. It will stop ringing. Um, <laughs> um, so I have a grid. And so at the start of every week, then I fill in, um, you know, the things that I have to do or that I want to do or that are regular things. I am so sorry. No, it's okay. So, we will can't turn the ringer off on this sucker. I didn't. That wasn't on your list, was it? I think we're done. Okay. Hey Jessica, no worries. Like this, <laughs> and this is going to be all edited out, so no worries. Sorry. About it. sorry. sorry. It's okay. So, um, and I'm sorry. I've I've not. I've been so worried about looking at the camera that I haven't looked at. The comments so oh don't worry that, you're so sweet. You just got like don't don't worry about it at yeah. all like all right. i will Good. i will get to them and Good. if it's a question but i uh, just just to mention really quick mama at number but you can read it now um Absolutely. she loves the idea of budget oh, okay. yeah so i think yeah. we you know we can fritter it away on facebook we can fritter it away you know doing things but then we go i didn't have time to do the laundry today it's like well yeah you probably did um you know and and sometimes I will, you know, I'll map it all out and then I run out of space. Like, okay, I don't have time to do all of these things. And so what has to give or what, um, you know, what is going to help me do these things? And so, um, for instance, last week, my husband needed to go, he, he got the cars worked on. And so he needed to go pick up a car and... Um, I was trying to get work done and we we're trying to, you know, we're discussing, okay, he needs a ride. Da, 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 and I was like, Oh, we have an 18 year old who can drive and he's home and he's going to go, you know, and he didn't want to go, but we made him go because it's like, you know, you know, it's finding somebody else to be able to do that thing that they is on your list. And so whether it's delegating or sometimes I will um, do kill two birds with one stone. So, and that usually happens during exercise. Like if I want to read a book, I'll take my iPad and I go to the gym and I read on the treadmill and I can walk pretty fast at three to four miles an hour and still read my books. And oh. I have a really fun time on the treadmill if it's a good book, oh. you know, or I do that. We have a, we have an exercise bike in the garage. So I will do the same thing. Or um, I take my daughter's walking with me if you know we go on a mile walk in our neighborhood kind of thing and so we're getting time together we're all yeah. getting exercise you know it's just finding ways to loop those things together so that um you're making good use of your time and you know obviously not minimizing that time with your children but anytime you can bring them into what you're doing and i think maybe that answers one of your first questions earlier um, I went to a, um, a Sally Clark now I hear your echo. Hmm. Um, I went to a Sally Clarkson conference in 2008 
And she talked about, about including her children in the work that they did and really making that a priority. And so I think any time that we as moms can include our kids in the things that we're doing and make that part of the experience, then that's a really good thing. You know, it, 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 it serves dual, dual purposes. So when I was writing um, Best 100 Juices for Kids, you know, that was a family thing. You know, my kids gave me feedback. They tasted every juice. They told me what they liked and didn't like. I wrote it all down. I mean, it was a definitely a family project. And so they are very much a part of that book. Um, it didn't turn out to be as popular as we had hoped, but it's a wonderful memory that I have from them, you know, from spending time with them. And so I think anytime you can include your children in your work, um, that's good, but also anytime you can get alone time to do your work without interruption is good too. <laughs> so you homeschool, how do you do your work without interruption? Um, what currently works now is that I work on Saturdays. And so, um, it's come to the point that the boys have no, pro- my boys are the older four. So, um, you know, they're all 11 and older and they don't really need mom for anything particular because on Saturday they're just going to play and hang out. Um, my girls who are seven and nine, that's a toss up. Um, and they're very relational and they want to come tell me all the exciting things. So that has been a little bit harder to make it happen. But I've found that if I can get, um, most of my writing done on Saturdays, then I'm focused on school and home Monday to Fridays and, um, Sundays, are like rest and I'm not going to turn on my computer if I can help it and not do work stuff and, you know, try to chill on Sundays. So, so that's kind of the goal. It doesn't always work out perfectly. So you mean that you don't work all week, you homeschool your children and then you just work once a week on Saturday? Um, well, it depends on how you define work. <laughs> so for me, that the hardest part that I can't do, like, I, if I'm going to write, I need to be like head down and I need to be in it. And I can't be interrupted. I can't, I can't write stuff um, that's worth reading in 15 minute increments, I really need to just be focused. So, so that's the work that I really need to, um, focus on. So during the week I might schedule social media cause I can do that in 15 minute chunks here and there. And it doesn't take as much focus as writing a full post or, um, you know, making sure that I'm not good at switching. I'm not good at switching. Like I'm an all or nothing kind of person. So even growing up, if I was going to read a book, I was going to read that book all day long and not stop to eat if I didn't have to. Or um, I, in high school, I liked sewing clothes. And so I would spend all day at the sewing machine and I didn't, you know, I didn't stop. So, um, so my workflow for writing is kind of like that. I need a big chunk of time and it's been hard to find that big chunk of time during the week. Um there have been weeks where I've had to find that big chunk of time and it's not, I feel stressed and I don't do well in the other areas that I'm supposed to do. So, so it's, 
you know, running errands, the, the weekdays I try to make for running errands, um, doing school, um, focusing on home things, and then I'll throw in the social media. And, you know, if I have time, you know, like if there's an hour and everybody's happy, then I might write, but I'm not putting that expectation on me myself that I have to get something done. So, oh my gosh, that is incredible. Like, I don't think I've ever met a mompreneur who commits herself <laughs> so much to her children and her life at home and then has that little, that chunk that, that day where she works. It's incredibly inspiring, Jessica. Um, and I'm just, I'm so inspired right now. And I hope those of you who are well, watching life are too, because I'm sure you pretty are. Nina even said very inspiring. I don't think that um, every season of life has allowed us to do that. So, you know, if we rewind when we were heavy into hockey, it's like all day Saturday was devoted to hockey games. Yeah. And so it's just this current season. And like I said, with that time budget, that changes with the season. So, so it's not like, um, you know, when my kids were really little um, and I was, even before I started writing, my husband said, you know, Saturday mornings you have completely off. As long as you're back at lunchtime with a plan for lunch, you know, because he didn't want to watch all these little kids and figure out lunch. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, so I would get up as early as I could possibly get up. So I could leave the house and I would have that chunk of time. And so, you know, in the early years before I was writing, I would go shopping. I would, you know, we lived in Kansas so I could leave my groceries in the car all day long in the winter time, you know, cause it's eight degrees outside, you know, they weren't going to melt. And, you know, so, so I did that kind of stuff, just fun stuff for myself. But then when I started writing and then later when I started blogging, then I was spending that time at Panera with my computer and that's where I got my time. But but it's it's evolved and it's changed over the years and the seasons. And we're just currently in a season where that works. But um, going into the summer, it's going to be a little different. And so we're talking about a different pattern um, where my kids might be at camp during the day. And um, where it's located is a... Um, cafe with, with Wi-Fi. <laughs> and so I could drop people at camp and then I could have three hours every morning to work. And then we all go home and we can play and we can do stuff. So it, so we're playing with that idea. It's going to cost money if we did it that way, but um, you know, it, it could have a trade-off. We're, we're trying to figure that out. Very. Oh my gosh, Jessica. Okay. You're like hitting all my, my buttons as far um, as like inspiration. <laughs> I appreciate you so much. Good, good. Um, so I love that you mentioned seasons because it's so important to account for that. Often we compare our beginnings to right. somebody's, somebody's middle. Right. So for example, how old are your kids? Mine are seven and five. Right. Right. So that's a hands-on relational mommy. Look at this. And it's like, did you really need to tell me about that? You know, you feel like saying, couldn't yeah. have to wait till later, but it can't yeah. when you're five years old. 
So sorry. Yeah. And I mean, so many um, moms here saying very, very cool. Very, Nina said, very inspiring. Nina said, love that you put your kids first. Natalia said, I love that you give so much time to your family and one day of the week for full-time writing. That's incredible. I mean, I, I agree. And then mama outnumbered, uh, which is Kaylin said, so often we hear the opposite of this. And I have to agree with Kaylin on this, like 100%. We hear about working all week and being off one day for completely focusing on your kids. And so I absolutely love that you flip that. And Kaylin, I could not have said any better. Like, I don't think anyone could have said that better. Like, that is so true. And then Natalia said, it's so good to see that this is possible to devote most of your time to the kids and still do well in your business. I'm trying to stick with that plan. So your message is incredibly inspiring. <laughs> well, that's good because I don't feel like I am. Um... You know, it, I measure myself up to, you know, other bloggers or what I perceive other people are accomplishing. And I go, hmm, you know, and, and I, I really just had a sobering experience last. It was about a year ago. Right now, I was at a curriculum um, meeting for other homeschool moms. We were sharing what we were doing. And mm -hmm. I saw how involved they were and how focused they were on their curriculum. I was like, oh, well, we've kind of you know, we kind of coasted through the year, you know, and everybody can read and everybody's fine. And, you know, but I wasn't as into it as they were. And I'm still not as into it as they are because I've got five kids that I'm teaching. So you can only go, you can only get so into it <laughs> when and you're spread I in. But, but it was just that, okay, it was kind of that wake up call that I needed to step it up and oh my gosh. be better. So that's incredible. And I wonder if this is my way wake up call because I do homeschool my kids too. And to be honest, I am not as devoted as some of my homeschooling mamas right. are. And like they do all these science projects right. and all the, the, the things. <laughs> and I'm just like, we're lucky if we get three subjects done. Like, but, you know, but here's the question though. Would you do the science projects if you weren't doing this? If I wasn't. If you weren't working. If I wasn't working, would you still be, you know, because I don't know that I would be I, exactly because I don't like those. And, yeah. you know, like we wouldn't be right. doing, you know, so you got to be honest with yourself, like compare That's yourself, so interesting. compare yourself to yourself in a different situation, not yourself to them in a different situation because they're interesting. You know, we, we excel at history, literature, languages, um, Science and math are not our favorite, but we do them. We do them. We do them. But, but you know, and and part of it, I've spent a small fortune on science curriculum until, yes. I, found, <laughs> until I found one that, but we changed it every year for like 10 years trying to find one that worked. And we finally found one that worked. Which one is that? If you don't mind sharing. It's called Science in the Beginning. Mm. It's um, by Berean Builders. And um, they're very doable experiments. I don't love how the book is laid out for kids, but for mom to read and for you to do the experiments, it's doable. We haven't been able to do it at quite the same pace that they have mm -hmm. because it just takes me a while to get through everybody. Um, but, but we're doing it, you know, one or two times a week and just at a slower pace than everybody else. So wow, very cool. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So not everyone is a homeschooler here, but um, I am. And then Kaylin is. And Kaylin said, another homeschooler mama who struggles like crazy with comparison. I'm not perfect. Yeah. Artsy mama. 
I'm boring. I'm a boring homeschooler. <laughs> so Kellen, uh, I'm with your girl. I feel like I'm a boring homeschooler too, but I feel like kids learn through play, especially at this age where yeah. five and seven and they're like digging in the earth, finding earthworms. And they're just like, like getting dirty. And I'm like, you know right. what? This is your science lesson. <laughs> right. And I think that so. that, you know, and really going through their passions and their interests. Um, my oldest, um, I blogged about it years ago, but my daughter was a toddler. We thought she had eaten something at the park. You know, we stopped at the library, which is by the rec center. So then I'm talking to the people at the rec center, finding out what plant did she eat and was it poisonous? And he's over in the library with the other kids. He was about 12 or 13 at the time. And he started researching wild edible foliage because he was just curious. Is there really stuff growing out there that you could eat? And that took him on a year long journey where he would go hiking. He would have my husband take him hiking every um, Saturday and he would go find stuff that he recognized from his manuals and his books. And he'd come home and he'd make a salad with them and he'd eat these things, you know? And so it was like, yeah, your science, <laughs> you know, we did other lab sciences as well, but we would just encourage that passion. And I yeah. think that's what, you know, and he got into a four year state university. He's getting straight A's and he's totally bored. <laughs> um, he told me that it's just work because he's bored in his classes. And, and I think that may be just a, undergraduate thing but it's like you know we didn't do you know we weren't we weren't as good as I thought everybody everybody else's homeschool was and he's mm -hmm. still doing well so I think it's instilling in your kids that love of learning so mm -hmm. that they want to find out things and so anyways the experiment's working so awesome. So, thank you, Jessica. Yeah. That's, 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 thank you so much for sharing homeschooling. Uh, although this is not a homeschooling podcast, right, I want right. to move on. Sorry. Like, that was really, no, 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 no. Don't apologize because I'm curious myself. And so I just want to be respectful to the others uh, listening. Right. To you. right. Go back to um, when you started your blog. I understand this was back in 2008, but, and, you know, things moved a lot quicker for right. as far as like getting traction. Um, how soon did you start breaking even and maybe even bringing in an income? Um, I think by the end of that year, I had put up um, blogger ads. And so I was making a small amount um, in ad revenue. Um, at the end of 2009, early 2010, I switched to the now defunct lifetime ads and those were really good so it was by the uh, middle of 2010 when i was you know doing our monthly number crunching and was able to show my husband look this is how much you made at your job this is how much i made at my job and he went what <laughs> you know because they were really close to each other wow uh, so you know and that has you know, ebbed and flowed over the years. Ad, ad revenue has fluctuated greatly over the last five years. Um, but I've tried to follow um, Crystal Payne's words of wisdom to have multiple streams of income. So we, um, we monetize through ads, through sponsored posts, through self-published eBooks, through affiliate links and through the cookbooks. So um, mm, there's a variety of sources so that if one is down, maybe mm -hmm. 
some of the others can pick up the slack. That's very smart. Yeah. That's very, very smart. Don't put your all your eggs in your one basket and have them dispersed around. Right. Right. That's, that's super smart. So, um, and thank you for sharing that. And now, you, do you still run those Lifetime ads on your blog? Um, Lifetime ha- um, went out of business a mm. few years ago. Um, they didn't go out of business, but they stopped offering ads to bloggers is what they did. Mm. So, um, so now I currently run um, Amazon CPM ads some Google AdSense and um, a company called Riot New Media has some ads. So I manage my own ads. Wow. That's a lot of work. Well, I don't really, I just kind of set them and forget them. So I don't, you know, I don't, I, I may change out the pass back on the Amazon stuff, but I don't really mess with them too much because I just don't have time. So, mm-hmm. so there's lots of areas where um, I put things on autopilot that me could be doing better. But I just you don't. pick your battles. You do, you do, yeah, and that's and, important. And so you know, um, producing good content, and you know, and and finding the time to to do all these other things. Um, I do um, most of my social media myself. The only one that I um, delegate elsewhere is Pinterest. And I think you had Kate from Simple yes. Pin Media on recently. Yeah. So Kate and her team handle my um, Pinterest for Gucci That's Bead. Awesome. Um, but otherwise, I, I um, you know, and I have a, I have an assistant. It's my youngest sister who came on about four or five years ago when her husband was going into law school and they needed to, you know, have an, another income. And I needed help. And so she helps me a lot with um, some of the site stuff and the ebooks that we produce. Um, and so, but other than that, it's kind of a one woman show. So, very interesting. You know, so I'm just scraping and clawing and trying to do it all as best I can. So. Okay, so no, that that really that that really helps for us. Like, it's you know, really hiring help is is so important. That I mean, it's some of the things that you have to do, you don't have to do them because you can just pass them on. Yeah, and and yet at the same time, don't compare yourself to somebody who has this huge team, and you know, maybe they're making the revenue to pay for the whole huge team, and then they're making more revenue because they have a team. You know, and I was like, well. I don't have a team, so I'm only going to get as far as I'm going to get, and that's okay, you know. So I think it's that same that same situation with any business, um, you know. However, you're able to expand, yeah. like our mechanic moved to a bigger facility, so now he has ten guys for working for him, and he's doing a lot better. But mm. you know, it's getting your place, getting yourself to that place where you can expand to that bigger, yeah. whatever you know. Yeah. However, that plays out in your business. Yeah, that's very helpful for sure. So now, how long did you go in and how long after you started your blog that you self-published a book? And how did it happen that you self-published and then you got a publisher deal? How did that work? Um, well, I had in 2010, um, I'd, I'd had it in my head for years, probably 15 years that I wanted to write a freezer cookbook. And my husband just thought that was nuts. Who's going to buy a freezer cookbook? Um, and I'm like, well, there are some freezer cookbooks. He's all right. There already are some freezer cookbooks, you know. So he's the realist and I'm the dreamer and that's how we roll. Um, but I'm also pretty stubborn. And so um, talked to a couple of friends who had published cookbooks. 
um, one in particular, Erin Chase, and she recommended that I go for it. So um, I got the book that she recommended about writing uh, um, a book proposal. And so I spent that summer in my, you know, carving out time to um, write a book proposal and um, was able to send it to an editor and he just ripped it to shreds and said, no way, this sucks. Oh <laughs> and sorry. And so I cried like I hadn't cried in a really long time. And after a while, I just said, okay. Um, and then I set up putting together Organizing Life as Mom, the, the, the book that I told you about. And, and then what, are you following the same blueprint from what Erin Chase recommended? Well, that was just for a book proposal. Organizing Life as Mom, I just decided I'm just going to write this myself. And um, things had gotten to be where it would be easy to self-publish in terms of... And so when I say self-published, I'm talking digitally. I am not probably going to mess with physical self-publishing. But but digitally, um, what was unique about Organizing Life as Mom is that the page, the PDF pages were fillable that you could sit and type into the documents and print them out. And so at 2010, nobody was doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, now that's like come standard on most of these PDF programs, but I paid big money. You know, it was, it's amazing how technology changes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I said to my husband, this is so expensive. If I buy this program to do this thing, it's going to be so expensive. And he's like, well, you got to spend money to make money, right? Got to move into that bigger facility, hoping that you can yeah. hire the team to work on the cars, right? Yeah. So, um, so we did it, and it more than made, it more than made, it more than paid for that um, thing. So that was really surprising. And so I did that right. I was publishing that right about the same time that um, Aaron said, you know. You know, I finally told her, I said, yeah, I said it to this editor and he like totally ripped it to shreds. And she's like, oh my gosh, well, that's not the end of that. Send it to my agent. And so I sent it to her agent. Um, she had me change a few things. I signed a contract with the agent. And within two weeks, we had sold um, the freezer cookbook to the Harvard Common Press. So- oh my gosh. Okay. Can we go back a little bit? <laughs> so this is incredible. This is absolutely incredible. And it's so good to have friends who are there to support you and who yes. don't yes. let you um, yes. pity yourself and just right. move on. Right. So what was that a resource that Erin shared? Can you share that? Um, it is by Elizabeth Lyon. Somebody might need to look it up on Amazon because I'm going to okay. get the title wrong. Um how to write a nonfiction book proposal or something like that. Um, so you'll have to verify. Um, but Erin um, and I have a, a mutual friend, Stephanie O'Day, and Stephanie had used the same same book to write her proposal. Um, and um, so it seems to have worked in these instances. So, you know, if you're not sure what to do or how to write it, but again, this was 2010, so there may be some updated, there may be stuff that's updated since then. I yeah, don't know. it's revised and updated. I'm, I'm going to so, send. A li- I'm going to. It's not really pretty as like a book. No, it's not. But it's not. hey, it sounds really. But good. it walks you through There's the link. It walks you through every single um, thing, and um, so for my second book, they came to me with that idea after we'd already 
negotiated contracts for books number three and four. So they bumped number two mm. in, in front of the three and four. And three and four um, it was just a verbals. Um, I started to write a big proposal. And they're like, you don't need to spend time writing a proposal. Just talk to us. So, wow, so, so the freezer book was really the first, the only one that I really had to write a proposal for. The others were either, hey, we've got this idea. Would you do it? Or, hey, what do you want to write your next books on? Let's just go back and forth. So, mm-hmm. so um, while I had spent time writing one proposal, you know, it was just a couple pages. It wasn't full blown. They were like, yeah, we don't, we don't need that from you. We'll just talk about it. Wow. So, um, so yeah, so I wrote four books in basically four years. And That's a lot tired. of work. <laughs> that was tiring. How did you manage um, to uh, write? So well, much. they were, that was 700 recipes in all. And um, the first book could have half be blogged recipes. And then the rest were not so much. There's a very minimal amount of recipes that are available online. The majority are not. And so people would need to buy the book. You know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, because people feel ripped off, you know, it's like, well, I saw all this on this person's blog and now it's all in this book. Like, why do I need the book when I can get it for free? Exactly. So, so you know, it makes sense. And so I'm very protective of that um, philosophy. And, you know, I get a little, it's, it's hard because you said, you know, a lot of this business is based on word of mouth and you want people to like your products. You want them to like your blog. You want to share it with people. Yeah. So when you send cookbooks to um, bloggers to review, you know, and we have this press approved list of recipes that can be reprinted. And, and the same goes not just for bloggers, but also for newspaper people. And it's like, that's a great review, but you went off the list, you know? So it thankfully hasn't happened too many times, but, you know, just as an explanation to people out there, that's why there's the list is to protect the value of the book that it's not watered down that, you know, that, you know, I found somebody, you know, just a regular person and she was probably, you know, she had taken pictures of the recipes she liked and then pinned mm-hmm. them. she had uploaded them to Pinterest and she was pinning them. And it was like, why are you doing that? <laughs> you know, like mm. with dozens of pages from a book. So, you know, and then the law team needs to go ask that Pinterest take them down. And, it's, mm. you know, so, you know, copyright issues and, and sharing information, sharing, you know, when you're making a product to sell, it can get really complicated. Mm. Interesting. I had no idea that that even exists. So thank you. The Pinterest, like, well, she, she, it's the only time I've ever seen it. And I shared it in my food bloggers group Mm -hmm. on Facebook. And they were just like, I have never seen anybody do that before. Like it didn't, it wasn't pinned of the post, you know, maybe that's just, she uses Pinterest as her personal cookbook or something, but it was like, it didn't, the link, the pictures didn't go to a link. They just were the pictures, you know, so it was kind of, you know, the same thing happens when people will, you know, post the whole recipe in their Facebook and then that gets shared 50 million times. And it's like, would be great if you shared a link to the person's recipe and let it get shared 50 million times instead of sharing their recipe that they will now 
not get any benefit from your yeah. sharing. So, yeah. so, so yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Took us on a rabbit trail. Sorry. No, no, this is really great. I really, really appreciate it. And one last question. We we're like totally running out of time, but I want to see if you could share some of the online tools that help you organize your business and life and maybe even include your planner. Like, yeah. Um, so I, 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 I last summer I revised, um, Organizing Life as Mom is still available. It has lots of extra um, planning pages for like everything under the sun. This is a pared down, it's called the Print and Go Planner. And it seriously is print and go for people who don't want to mess with making a custom planner. It has um, just the basics, but um, the file is ready to just, like I sent it to Staples and they printed it and bound it for me. And it's like, boom, I'm ready to go. So yeah. that's what I use for. What is home. it called again? It's called the Print and Go Planner. Print and, and Go. Print. Oh, the Print and Go. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And that's available at fishmama.com, which okay. is my online store. And yeah. um, so that's what I use for meal planning, for day planning, for just keeping track of my goals and things like that. Um, but then for. Um, my Ed calendar, I use Google Calendar all the time, every day. Mm-hmm. Like that's because I can drag and drop and I can move stuff around. I can access it from anywhere that I am. Mm-hmm. I don't have yeah. to go find, you know, a physical planner for that. Um, I use Gmail. Um, that's like, I love the Google products. I love the Google yeah. Suite products. Um, my husband prefers Evernote, so he does a lot of his stuff that way. Um and we're currently working on a um, video series. He has been, he's pretty up to speed on videography and stuff like that. Oh. So we're working on a video course um, to hopefully be done um, by the end of the summer and released. But um, so anyways, oh, so, so, but we share information via Google Docs because then I can type up an outline to him and then share it with him and he has access and, it's not, where was that email that you sent me? I'm like, go look in your Google Docs. It's right there. So, um, so yeah. So those three online tools are probably my favorite at the mm, moment. I, I love Google tools too. So, well, well, Jessica, our time unfortunately has come to an yeah, end. Yeah, I, I rambled at too. Sorry. No, no, no. Don't worry about it. And it was, it was really interesting actually and very informative. So I really thank you so much for, for being here for your time and, and for sharing all the wonderful wisdom with us. So oh, thanks. Thank you. I, it was fun. All right. I hope you enjoyed this amazing interview with Jessica Fisher. I always say this at the end of the show. I think this was one of the best interviews to date, even though every single interview is amazing. And I hope you will join us live next time every single Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, where we have lively conversations just like this one. Except you can join in the comments and interact and meet other incredible mompreneurs. I'm your host, Vicky Kalashenko, and this is the show that features amazing stories of the most remarkable mompreneurs. Thank you so much for joining us and I'll see you next time.